Welcome everybody to my podcast, Big Little Small Talk. I'm Megan O'Hara-Sullivan and I love to talk, but I also love to listen. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Big Little Small Talk. I'm here today out at the Pittsworth Men's Shed. So after last week when I had interviewed the women from the Women's Shed in Toowoomba for my series Given F Over 50, I decided that I better balance up the ledger with some of the Men's Shed. And before Christmas, I'd been out in Pittsworth for the Christmas party of the Men's Shed and I'd met the past president, who is Merv Hindenburg, but he's got a new title now. His title is Special Projects Officer. Welcome to Big Little Small Talk, Merv. Thank you, Megan. Now, you told me at the Christmas party that you have got a special project on the go. Can you tell me what it's all about? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a little bit of um, senile decay madness or something. I don't know what it is really, but uh, to, to put, put it into perspective, I grew up on the Murray River in, at Swan Hill, and I used to fish in the river when I was a young boy. And I used to wonder where the water come from down the river and where it went to and and always dreamed about getting in a canoe or a boat or something and travelling down the river. And over the years I've travelled on different parts of the river but I've never ever taken a big journey. So I thought, well, we could build a raft and we could take it down the river. And I brought the idea to the men's shed here and uh, got a fair amount of laughter and, and uh, joking about it. But then all of a sudden different guys started saying, well, I can organise this and I can organise that. And We went to uh, Wagner's and asked whether they'd supply composite fibre material to build a raft and the end result is what you've seen today. Um, so we've built the raft, we've tested it, it floats, we're all still here. <laughs> and um, uh, we're going to set off on the 2nd of August and we're going to travel from Yarrawonga to Swan Hill, which is a distance of 600 kilometres. So we're going to travel uh, down the Newell Highway through places like Gundawindi, Moree, Dubbo, um, Forbes Parks. And along the way, we'll be calling into sheds and talking to the different guys in the different sheds. Um, and and the the purpose of the whole exercise is we're going to be raising money for um, prostate cancer. Uh, it's a bloke thing foundation, and but more importantly, we're also going to be raising awareness of the disease and and what guys should be doing uh, in regards to their own personal health and uh, what to look out for with prostate cancer. Well, Merv, from a childhood dream to a, a reality, that's quite something. I want to go back and talk about the prostate cancer in a little bit because at your lunch you had Ruth Logan come and speak and she works for It's a Bloke Thing and she, yep. she was very insightful. So we'll go back to that in a minute. Tell me and tell the listeners, describe what the raft looks like. Well, it, it's built out of composite fibre, so it's a basic composite fibre frame and it has uh, eight polycarbonate uh, drums underneath it, which is the buoyancy part of the raft. It has handrails around it. It's got a, a nine horsepower motor to assist us in getting out of difficult uh, current situations and steering uh, situations on the river. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a, a basic raft. Uh, it'll be all tricked up with sign writing and all that sort of stuff. We, we're out there chasing sponsors and that now. So that'll all happen. So Merv, I take it that you don't sleep on the raft? No. no. Do no, you put we'll, it in every day and go a section of the Murray? Is that how it works? We, we, we're going to try and average about 110 kilometres a day. Um, and we'll know on the first day. <laughs> That's in the water, 110 it, it, k. Yeah. Um, so the, the difference between um, travelling on the land from point to point and travelling on the river is about half. So the river twists and turns and goes all over the place. So, uh, yeah, we, we hope... We, we're leaving on the 2nd of August and we hope to be in Swan Hill around about the 12th of August. Merv, what happens if the raft capsizes? What happens for someone like you? Hey, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> well, I've, I, don't, I can't swim. Uh, and the, one of the other guys who goes on the raft, he can't swim either. Uh, and we both uh, over 70. I'm 72-year-old. A uh, bit late to learn to swim now. But we'll wear a life vest and we're going to have a safety boat travel with us. So uh, Rusty will travel with us and uh, uh, we'll rely on him to fish us out of the drink if we fall in. <laughs> so does it not frighten you, the idea of it capsizing? No. You're right. It won't capsize her. Uh, is, it just, is it just the two of you or, or is there more people who will be coming on there? Well, no, there'll be probably three on the raft. And... Uh, but there'll be a ground crew. Ruth Logan's going to be travelling with us, uh, doing her It's a Bloke Thing um, uh, roadshow. And we're going to have uh, some Some of our members are going to be travelling with uh, caravans and providing support services for us as we travel along, getting our lunch for us and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you imagine every day to look like? How long, what sort of time does it take to do about 110 k's? It's going to depend a little bit on the river flows. Uh, at the moment, the river's running at about eight kilometres an hour, and uh, we have the capacity with the motor to do probably another eight kilometres an hour. So we can get along probably somewhere between 14 and 16 kilometres an hour, and uh, we'll be looking at doing 10-hour days. And what do you reckon you'll... After the first day, when you've told all your stories, you've heard all the other guys' stories, what will the hours and hours and hours involve, do you think? Probably an esky. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, like, getting sunburnt and everything? Well, it's in August. Um, we have shade cloth over the top of the, the raft and we'll take all the normal precautions. We'll sunblock and... But it's more going to be the cold in, in August. Uh, it can still be fairly chilly down there. So let's talk then, Merv, about prostate cancer. What has motivated you and the Pittsworth Men's Shed to have that as your cause for this well, fundraising um, effort? Ruth Logan has been uh, a good friend of ours. She's been out here on a number of occasions uh, spreading the word. Uh, a lot of our members have either had uh, prostate cancer or someone in their family has. And the common thread where everywhere we go and everyone we talk to 
just about everyone says, oh, yeah, I've had that, or my brother Bob had it, or whatever. So we uh, we thought that if we can do our little bit, we, we've set ourselves a, a target to raise, and if we can raise that money, it'll make a difference. And uh, uh, hopefully we can do something for... People that are suffering from prostate cancer. Mm. So fundraising is another F word. And I'll just remind the listeners that they're on 4DDB with me, Megan O'Hara-Sullivan. And we're in big little small talk. We're out at the men's shed. We're talking in our series of Give an F Over 50. And it's about um, in conjunction with WordFest, which is running in Toowoomba. And it's all about writing and reading and telling stories. And I'm hearing Merv's stories out here about why they're raising money for prostate cancer. Merv, that touches on um, on fitness. And um, and I wanted to ask you as part of this series, a, a, a series of questions, what is your relationship with fitness yourself and, and health? Oh, look at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a picture of uh, perfect health. <laughs> um, Oh no! I I try to look after myself. I'm a little bit overweight, and I'm I'm working on that at the moment. I'm gonna set myself a target to lose a bit of weight before the raft, just to make it a bit easier. But I'm I look after my uh, prostate cancer tests. I make sure I have them every six or twelve months. And uh, um, my partner's just recently had a real fight with cancer. So um, we we are very mindful of it, and we uh, yeah we try to do the right thing. Mm. Before we go on to the other F words, with the early signs of prostate cancer, what should we be looking for, or what should men be aware of? What's a sort of single message that Ruth tries it's, to hammer in? It's all about the test. Uh, you don't have to go through that other rigorous uh, process that they used to go through. Uh, it's just a simple blood test. You go into uh, into the testing centres and they take a little bit of your blood and they come back with a PSA result and uh, you go from there. It's as simple and it's interesting. As I've travelled around and talked to different people, if you're asked for a show of hands of people that have had a PSA test in the last 12 months, there's about 50% of the people in any in any uh, environment that you talk in haven't, uh, haven't had a test. Well, I think it's because of the fear, and um, I really thought that it was the the old method of testing, which everybody sort of laughs and in equal measure is horrified by. So it's definitely just a a blood test now. Simple blood test. You Mm. just uh, it's it's all about um, just going in and have go to your doctor, tell your doctor you want a uh, a test, and uh, go from there. Mm. Ruth come up with a funny little thing the other day when and it probably relates to us a bit when I was a young bloke fishing on the river my the important thing for me was to look after my fishing tackle and now I've got to look after my other tackle <laughs> <laughs> and it really is important and that's so cute because that is another f word the fishing tackle that's right so look after your tackle mm. yeah yeah we're here at, at the men's shed. What is and, and there's a lot of fellowship. You can feel it. You've all just been having morning tea. What is what is friendship for you, Mer? What does it mean? Uh, friendship friendship is the men's shed, um, and we have our moments. We have uh, some some guys that uh, make it a little bit difficult, but all in all, we we're all mates, 
Uh, we look out for one another. We help one another. Uh, some guys just come along to the shed and sit and have a coffee and a talk, and uh, other guys get involved in all different sorts of things that we do here. We do metalwork and woodworking and all that sort of stuff. So, right. yeah. What about finance? What, what, what's your relationship with your finances like as you've gotten uh, older, over 50? Uh, me, <laughs> personally, <laughs> or the men's head? No, you personally, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just on an age pension. But I, I live very well. You don't struggle on the pension? No, no. not at all. I, uh, we're able to look after ourselves and uh, I have a partner and uh, we live very comfortably and we have what we have and do whatever we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, no complaints. Which leads me to my next question. Fun. What do you do for fun, Merv? Oh, it's probably the men's shed is my main uh, avenue of... of uh, Fun or relaxation, yeah. Um, over the years, I've, I've done different things, fishing and all that sort of stuff. But uh, as you get older and your bones start to creak, you've sort of got to look for something more passive. What about family? What what sort of family have you got, Merv? Um, I've got um, three daughters. I'm one of 11 children. My, my mum had seven girls and, and four boys. What number are you? Uh, I'm uh, fourth from the bottom. I've got three sisters younger than me. Um, and uh, I'm the only surviving boy now. Uh, I lost a brother a couple of years ago to cancer and uh, the other two were uh, deceased before I was born. So, What's yeah. the age difference between top and bottom or what was the age difference? Over what span did your mother have 11 children? Uh, my oldest sister would be 84 and my youngest middle 50s. Right. What was that like growing up in a really big family like that? In a, I mean, by any standards, 11 is a, is a big family, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, we grew up in a mallee town, so water was an issue. Uh, we always had to watch how much water we used, and uh, so we had a revolving system with the with the showers. So uh, it would start off with with the three youngest, and then the next three above me. Was it a shower or was it a bath? A bath. Yeah. With an old chip heater on the end, and uh, and and then after Mum had had her shower. Um, I'd get to have mine. The boys start going in. And then my older brother and then my, my, my dad. Mm. So sometimes you'd look at the bath and think, <laughs> I'm cleaner now than <laughs> if I go in there. <laughs> was, Let alone the little ones who might have done a wee in there as well. Oh, they did. Yeah, I know that. I, I tell them all, even now I tell them, you know, they did that. Yes, yeah. I think I might have been guilty of that once or twice myself. All right, <laughs> what about your relationship with food? Food. What's your favourite food, Merv? Uh, Italian. Italian food. Yeah. yeah. Have you much of much of a cook? Growing up in a big family, I can did survive. you always um, sort of be pinching stuff off your brother and sister's plates? No, not really, not really. But we always we were well fed. Um, my mother come from a rural back background. Her her mum and dad were on the land. My grandparents um, and grandpa used to bring in. We called them two tooths. Uh, sheep about one every three weeks and dad would slaughter them and we always had a big 
veggie garden and the veggie garden was uh, the the barter system was very much alive and well then you'd take peas to Mrs Poole and Mrs Poole would give you grapes and all that sort of stuff you know so yeah sounds idyllic Merv, I've run out of time with you, I'm afraid. Thank you for making time for me. One of the two questions that I always ask my guests on Big Little Small Talk is, who's your favourite royal? I don't have one. I'm a, I'm a Republican. <laughs> but if I, if I had to pick one, I think uh, Kate, she's pretty good. What do you like about Kate? Oh, she's just down to earth and, and uh, she's a good-looking girl too. <laughs> <laughs> All You're right. allowed to look. <laughs> <laughs> you, you strike me as someone who likes to have fun, Merv. What about um, if you're at the dance and this song comes on? What's the song that can't keep you off the dance floor? Well, I've got two left feet uh, and I'm into country music. I love country music. I listen to a lot of it even now. So uh, country tunes, uh, boot scooting boogie, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> But I can't boot scoot too good. <laughs> you can boot scoot with two left feet, I think. Yeah. Merv, thank you so much for being my guest on Big Little Small Talk. No worries. Thank you, Megan. Just to remind the listeners that they're on 4DDB 102.7 FM and we're on Big Little Small Talk and you're with me, Megan O'Hara-Sullivan. This is a series that I'm doing called Give an F Over 50 and it's all about the lives and F words of people over 50. Nothing rude, of course. And it is a suggestion that Lyndall Hill from Wordfest Toowoomba gave to me because it, Wordfest is all about stories and storytelling and love of literature and words and any anything story. So I'm out at the Pittsworth Men's Shed and I have my next participant who's called Jeff Baker. He's a long-term Pittsworth resident and a member of the Men's Shed. Thank you for being my guest, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Jeff, how often do you come to the Men's Shed? I come, I would say, 95% of the time I come every Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So generally two days a week. Are you working on anything particular at the moment? Well, I'm the treasurer of the men's shed, which um, gives me a fair bit of work to do, paperwork. But when I'm not doing paperwork, I love doing some woodwork uh, and even occasionally metalwork. Mm. Who who works out what projects you're going to do, or do you only work on your individual projects, or how does the whole system work? No, we we will. There are shed captains that are in charge of each shed, and like the woodwork captain will, I'll approach him and say, "Have you got a job I can do?" Or he might approach me and ask me to do a job, uh, and that's that's how it's working at the moment. Mm. Yes. But what, we what sometimes, the... sorry, we sometimes bring our own, like I might bring a project of my own in. I might have a wooden chair that's got a broken leg on it. So I'll bring it in and then I'll fix that. I'll use all the equipment and everything here and I'll fix that up myself. Mm-hmm. And what other sheds are there? You said that there's, is there the metalwork shed and the timber? Just take yeah. me through that. How does that work? Well, basically it is woodwork and metalwork. Those are the main two sheds. But then if there's something that might require both, you know, it might be a table with wooden table with steel legs or something. We'll, we'll mm. 
will do both things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, just asking for a friend, but do you do work, for, uh, do outside people come and give you projects to do? Yeah, we do quite a lot of work, repair work for someone will bring in some furniture that's damaged and we'll repair it and charge them for it. Mainly just charge material costs um, and a, a certain amount of labour, but yes, we do quite a lot of work for outside people. Mm, that mm. chair of mine that's sitting in the hallway with the leg broken off on the weekend when my boys were swinging on it, now I know <laughs> where to bring it. Brilliant. Yes, okay. yes. And um, Jeff, before you retired, I take it you've retired if you're at the men's shed two days a yes, week? Yes, I've retired and I'm tired, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of work did you do prior to retiring? Uh, well, most recently we had a fruit and vegetable shop in Pittsworth for 35 years or something. 35 um, years, that's a fair stretch. Yes, yes it is. After that I did some casual work, but basically that's that was it, yes. Yeah. been retired for well, 10 years now, I suppose. Okay. Tell me about having a, a long-standing business in a town like Pittsworth. It's such a great town. There's so much to do, such good people look after each other. Um, you would have been a sort of a, a big part of the community, you know, when you're, a, when you're a business owner, people approach you to sponsor things all the time and sort of to, I guess, be responsible for things in a way? Yes, that, that's right to a point, I suppose, that we do play, a, play a, a fair part in what's going on. You do, do tend to get involved in everything that's happening in the town. Um, but, you know, the thing we've noticed since we got out of the shop is that we don't have the contact with people. We used to know net everyone in town. You'd have contact with people and you'd walk down the street and you'd say hello to everybody and you'd know their name. Now we've walked out in the street and say hello, but I don't know who they are. Yeah. Where did you get the fruit from? Did you have to drive down to the Brisbane markets? Uh, well, I used to go down to the Granite Belt to um, a lot of growers down there getting apples and, and vegetables and things. I used to get some more from around Toowoomba and the the Lockyer Valley, uh, and then I'd, I'd get the, what I couldn't get locally, I would get from the Brisbane markets, mm. and I'd go down there occasionally, yes. And in that time, did did things change? Like, did the trend of what people were eating or the fact that they might be buying it in the supermarket, did that mm. affect your business? Yes, that was the main thing that did change, um, especially when we had the second Woolies, the second supermarket came to town. People even though they prefer to shop perhaps in a specialist shop, the convenience of going to a supermarket and eating the whole lot there together uh, and the time saving and that sort of thing. Mm. But uh, certainly it did make a big difference and that's where we ended up having to close because it was just too much competition in town. Now, Jeff, I noticed that you're missing a couple of digits. Would that be anything to do with your woodwork or metalwork? (laughs) Missing three was, fingers, aren't you? <laughs> Missing three fingers. That was. To, I used to be a farm. Used to be a sheep farmer many years ago, and uh, yes, I was cutting up a sheep one day for my own three for myself, and the bandsaw fell off the bench. Yes, ah, it but, fell off the bench. Hmm. And what was that like? Where were you? Were you somewhere isolated? Where it was took um, you a long time to get into yes, care? Yes, I was in Burren Junction in New South Wales, um, Black Soil Roads. It was wet at the time and. A little bit difficult to travel and my wife was heavily pregnant at the time so it was rather difficult getting into Narrabri to the hospital. But 
Did you have the forethought to pick up the digits at all? Yes, I did. And you took them with you? (laughs) And what what did you take them in? Because I was sure they'd sew them back on. (laughs) And what did you take them in? I I can't remember now. (laughs) Were you in an excruciating pain? Not really, actually. It was surprising. It wasn't wasn't all that painful at the time. Mm. And was it bleeding? It would have been bleeding like mad. No, we had to put bandages on to fairly tight around my arm to stop the blood. Yeah. Mm. Did you drive the car yourself oh, or no, did your wife no. drive? No, no, my wife drove me in. Yeah. And were you passing and, uh, out from the pain and the no, blood no. loss or anything no, like that? Not at all, right. no. And when you realised that you were going to be without those fingers, <laughs> did that sort of change your life in any way? Oh, not really because I can physically do everything that I was able to do. I mean, this was sort of 40, 50 years ago, I suppose. Um, I, I, no, I, it didn't really affect me a great deal at all. Luckily, it was my right hand and I was always left-handed anyway, so that was a help. Right. Mm. I was talking to another gentleman at Morning Tea who has a right prosthesis when he has a metal um, gripping thing that he picks things up and he said he's had that for, I can't remember, 45, 50 years and he's just sort of so used to it. But I was wondering, around your group, is there a lot of missing digits and arms? Not anything no, you've ever... No, I don't really think so. There's only two or three of us that have got anything missing <laughs> that I'm aware of. <laughs> so I started to say before, Jeff, about doing this series, the Give It F Over 50, um, one of the questions that I ask people is, and it's probably an obvious one, about friendship. So what, what does friendship mean to you, perhaps in the context of the men's shed, but even outside, mm. um, outside the shed? Well... The friendship is, is the great thing about the menship, menship. I mean, possibly in about half of our members, the most important thing is the morning tea when we sit down and have a yarn to each other. And it's, it's just great to have the communication with other men because a lot of us in our lives, we don't really meet one another very much otherwise. And it can be quite lonely sometimes. It's just myself and my wife perhaps and not go shopping and meet someone, but just to come here and get together with the guys, it's great. Mm. I mean, the, our wives, the ladies do the same thing. They go to their lady groups for different things too, so that's mm. a great idea. Not that it's a competition, Jeff, but I was at the Women's Shed in Toowoomba last week and that was why I decided to come and ba- balance the ledger by interviewing the men. But I have to say the spread at the morning tea um, at the ladies, the Women's Shed, was a little bit better than your your um, packets of biscuits out there and a few Cheerios and a few sausage rolls, but I don't think you blokes care too much, do you? Uh, no, look, we usually do pretty well. I haven't actually been to morning tea this morning because we've got a visiting group here. It's all a bit different, but no, normally we've got one of the guys goes down to the supermarket and buys cakes and everything. We always have nice, nice food. Nobody brings any homemade stuff? Oh, occasionally this guy makes a bit himself, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my next question is, as you've gotten older, particularly over 50, although 50 seems like such a young age to be talking about anything over 50, what's your relationship with food? Like, are you do you do much of the cooking at home or...? No, I, I must admit I don't do a lot of cooking. My wife is wonderful and cooks everything for us. Um, I can occasionally, but no, I don't. Mm. What's your go-to if you have to cook something, if she's just too unwell to get out of bed? Oh, I like, I'll cook veggies, steam up the veggies and cook meat and all the, all the basic cooking. I won't go to bake a cake or make anything fancy out of a recipe. It's always just the, 
the basic things. <laughs> and what about fitness, Jeff? Have you maintained your fitness as you've gotten older? Do you think? Yeah, I try to do. Um, I try to keep fit. I go to the park run every Saturday morning and um, try to keep mobile and keep going. I don't go to weightlifting and all that type of thing and gyms, but I just like to keep active. Yes. Do you run at the park run or do no, you walk? No, I, I used to, but I've had a hip replacement this last year and I'm not allowed to run now, so I've got an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do walk as fast as I can. Yeah. And would you walk during the week as well? Oh, yes. We walk. I always walk up to town to go shopping and that sort of thing too. Yeah, wonderful. Family for you, Jeff. What does family look like for you? Your family of origin and your family of creation. Do you have any children? Yeah, we have three girls. Um, one of them is in Canada, so we've got an excuse to travel overseas as well. Uh, and two two daughters in Brisbane. Um, yeah, we're all fairly close. We keep in touch and, uh, all the time. Um, as far as my original family I come from New Zealand I was born in New Zealand and uh, but I don't have any family left over there I have some cousins and so on but my immediate family are all passed on mm. Mm. was that a strange sensation to think that you're the last of your family mm. living oh, I'm sorry I, I do I have one sister left she's in Canada too oh, we yeah. forgot her <laughs> oh, yeah, poor, girl. poor sister that's right yeah, yeah. what about um, finances we talked briefly about um, having the fruit shop uh, another F word there we are the fruit shop um, finances you do the finances in the family or is that something your wife does or oh, a combined effort that. yeah we, we share that I think yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah and you've managed fairly well over the years to oh, well we're surviving <laughs> we're yeah. on the pension and um, we have a certain amount of super and save money nothing extravagant but we do have a little bit because unfortunately we weren't able to sell our business we just had to close it down so uh, that was a bit difficult exactly uh, we're okay yes yeah for sure just um sort of budgeting it out i guess and particularly Mm -hmm. if you want to do anything like any overseas travel and things Mm. yeah so my last two questions for you jeff um the Royals. I don't know whether you'd be a ro- someone who's into the Royals. Um, Merv was told me he's a Republican, but who's your favourite Royal? Oh, doesn't have to be a living person, and doesn't have to be English. I've um, I have trouble with my memory, even remembering the names of the Royals. You know, things like that. I I, I really can't say I've got a favourite. I'm sorry. Not a favourite. Not a favourite because you're forgetting them. So yeah, that that might be a good yeah. thing. They they're not high on a priority list for they're you. Not high no. on my priority. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all for them, but no, they're not high on my priority. Yeah. When you say you're all for them, what do you mean by that? Well, I support them. I mean, I'm, I'm not against the royal, the royal, like Republican. Mm. I'm, I'm quite happy with the situation as it is, but I, yeah. yeah. So the referendum that we had a few years ago for a republic, you you feel as though they hold a still an important place in Australian society. Oh. I'm very much so, yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm very traditional. That's good. What yeah. about um, you, the song that can't keep you off the dance floor? As I said, I, I was singing yesterday and singing for fun and we sang all these dance songs. I can't even remember the name of one of them now. I've been trying to think of one. Well, that's so okay I'm because I would just want much. to explore that a little bit more because I, that, I, I missed my question about what you do for fun. So mm. you're here a couple of days a week. You go mm. to Singing for Fun, which is in Pittsworth, is it? Yeah, that's a, it's a 
U3A organisation and we have every second Wednesday we have this group we just go along and sing for a couple of hours and just 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 for fun it's not a choir or anything professional no how beautiful and mm. they talk about singing it's a bit like exercise all the endorphins are released and mm. um, are there many many men in that group oh yes there's there's um, oh four or five of us I suppose in a group of probably 10 or 15. Wonderful. Mm. Who decides what you're going to sing? Oh, the lady who runs it for us. She plays the piano and she, she, we all have our song book and she just picks which one she's going to play. Right. Do you ever go and perform anywhere, say at the nursing oh, home or...? We, we occasionally, yes, do go down to Barra once or twice a year perhaps. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you think that you're getting as a group more cohesive and better or you just don't even worry about it? It's just... We don't worry about it. We're not worried about perfection. <laughs> not worried about We're just perfection. just for fun. For fun. Yeah. And what other things do you do, Jeff? You've got the men's shed, the singing for fun. Any other regular activities? Oh, I'm quite involved in the Anglican Church and um, I'm warden there and we have you know things to organize there we just last weekend had our trash and treasure sale at the town hall and book sale so there's always things happening yes and then with the community garden we're involved in that as well where is the community garden uh that is actually behind the hall of the anglican church mm-hmm. well i you're a perfect example of people who live in country towns take advantage of everything there is to do and and um, become involved and it's been lovely hearing your story thank you Jeff. Mm. thanks for being my guest thank you Welcome back listeners, you're on 40dB 102.7 FM and you're with me Megan O'Hara Sullivan on Big Little Small Talk. My third guest today is called Graham Cook and he's also a member of the Pittsworth Men's Shed. Cookie, thank you for being my guest on Big Little Small Talk. Now Cookie, I'll just set out the rules of engagement here. It's I'm doing a series for Give an F Over 50. It's about a few things, finance, fun, food, family, fitness, friendships in conjunction with WordFest, who is a storytelling organisation, words, reading, anything literature, which is happening in Toowoomba, run by Lyndall Hill. And this was a suggestion of hers for people over 50, given F over 50. We're here today at the Men's Shed, and I guess if I start with friendship, what does friendship in the Men's Shed mean to you, Cookie? Uh, Friendship uh, in the Men's Shed, yes. um it's a a good cause for the older uh, older generation of men uh, it's it's particularly um uh, concerns me of um the health and well-being of our fellow members some have lost their partners and um they're a little bit lost um, also with partners they come as a, as an out as um and um, in some cases, the uh, their partner um, directs them to the men's shed. <laughs> get <laughs> to, to the men's shed. To the men's shed. To uh, <laughs> yeah, to get out of the house and and mi- mix with um, uh, similar similar um, camaraderie. Of um, it, it all helps their mental health. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, 
Cookie, what happens if you haven't got skills, if you weren't a very hands-on type of person and you don't know how to do any woodwork or any metal work? What do you do then? Well, a lot of them, um, they learn. They learn from mothers. It's like a bit like the um, seam of shoulder to shoulder within the men's shed. Um, yeah, they'll help and other people doing projects. Oh, I see it quite often, uh, even... Um, people with severe disabilities um, they're doing stuff uh, we've got one for instance now he's only a new member he's 18 years old uh, and has the um, autism and um, he's been given um, a, virtually a different person to be with for that morning each week and um, he's just getting involved um, for instance I walked past last week um, we've got a, a fitter and turner here a member on the metal lathe and um, he was assigned this young fellow uh, to help to, to learn and um, he I just couldn't believe that he was uh, he jumped in and, and hands on to what uh, he was being shown on the metal lathe and um, yeah, it was quite interesting. Is that true of, uh, say, older men too? Uh, you're not sort of too embarrassed to ask and get taught something? Um, that's, yeah, that's probably a... You see that amongst some members, actually. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I think that breaks down that <coughs> this being able to... Um, discuss things and um, will they particularly take the mickey out of each other and and that's that's the camaraderie of how they get on. Mm. Just tell me about that because um, when I say to my husband um, and if he's been out with his mates I say what did you talk about and he goes oh just the <laughs> footy mostly mostly talk about the footy do you ever talk sort of personal things? Um well, sometimes it comes up, um, but not not often. No, it's just more of a general, as I see it, as a general um, communications. Mm. Cookie, everyone here is either wearing a, a men's shed branded shirt, or you've got a beautifully collared shirt on with men's shed on one side, Graham on the other side. A lot of people have got the caps on. Who is behind all this merch? Who's so good with um, the branding and everything? Well, that came about <coughs> initially by uh, the original, which would be some nine years ago now, I think we, um, I think 2014 was the first year. I, I joined in 2015. And, um, yeah, it, <coughs> it came about by um, a local butcher sponsored uh, the Manchin Cap. And, um, you better give them a plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was um, Tomo's Tomo's butchery, and uh, yeah, he, <coughs> I think he um, sponsored us for about three or four years, and um, uh, the shirts come about with um, um, the um, um, Toowoomba um, hip pocket workwear. And um, they, we had found out that they had been sponsoring other men's sheds in Toowoomba with 
with their um, shirts. And um, yeah, it started from there and they um, <coughs> they come on board with us and um, they um, sponsored us for $1,000 a year. And um, <coughs> in one year we're, we went up to about $1,800 and they just sent a, le a letter to say that it's, they've tipped in another $1,000. Wow. So, um, and they also supply us um, the safety equipment, the eyes and um, eyewear and um, masks and ear protection. And um, how yeah. many members have you got, Cookie? There seems to be a big group of people here. Um, we've got 44 currently, um, but there's been a bit of an influx over the last few weeks. Um, we've probably had five or six more. Um, I actually got another one last Tuesday. Mm. Um, so what, yeah. what did COVID do to your operations? Were you able, well, you wouldn't have been able to meet? We had, yeah, we had 50 uh, prior to COVID. We had about 53 members and um, it did drop off in the first year because we were closed for three months. And then when we come back under restrictions, um, a lot of the older people didn't didn't return, and of course um, some have passed away since then too. So that it's a natural decline. Mm. But um, so I suppose this um, is probably a bit of an obvious question. But for fun, what what does fun look like for Cookie apart from the men's shed? What other sorts of things do you do? <coughs> well, grandchildren, I suppose. <laughs> That's fun. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, the grandkids' um, interests, they're only um, 13 and 15. And, um, yeah, they're starting to find out there's a big world there. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. What do they call you, Cookie? Uh, pa. And what about your wife? My wife calls me Graham, but of course, in the, everyone calls me Par in our family. Mm. Uh -huh. Well, I, that's my next F F word question: is family. So, have you you've got more than one child, or? Yeah, we have um, a granddaughter's about to turn fifteen, and um, grandson um, is uh, thirteen, or he will be in in September. Uh, we have a 15-year-old um, granddaughter in Finland. That's my another F word, Finland. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, my son's lived there for some 25 years. Let me guess, did he get hooked up with he a Finnish girl? married a Finn and um, they had a daughter some years later. And uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, have you been over to Finland to see him? We went over there for their wedding uh, in 03. We haven't been back since mm. and uh, they were coming out just prior to well, when COVID hit they were coming out for Christmas and they, they had to cancel cancel mm. their flights mm. of course what about your own family the family grew up did you grow up in Pittsworth no 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 I, I grew up um, in New South Wales a place called Arimba and um, it's near Gosford on the central coast I was born in Gosford actually um, what type of work did you do before you retired, Cookie? Well, I was a soft drink manufacturer 
Um, oh my goodness, I've just put two and two together. So your cooks. <laughs> cooks soft drinks. Soft drinks. Oh, beg your pardon. <laughs> Famous yeah. cooks soft drinks from 40, Pittsworth. 40 years, uh, almost to the day. And when I retired, or so-called retired, in uh, 2015. Did you set up that factory? Um, the factory, um, yeah, we had... It was the old cheese factory we moved into. I had I bought an existing business in 1975. Uh, it was called Rankin's Soft Drinks, and they they just made it for local hotel and schools. And people used to call in, and uh, that was the business call in and get their weekly supply. But uh, yeah, we grew it <coughs> uh, from there. Um, what did you do? How did you grow it? Did you int- introduce new sarsaparillas or? <laughs> well, yes. Um, it took several years. We didn't move into the old cheese factory till um, um, 2008, uh, yeah, 2001. And um, yeah, it um, it sort of developed. We got a contract to supplying um, a big company for their uh, vendors to sell. It was a, a juice company, berry juice fruit, and um, we were actually contract bottling mineral water, which was drawn from our bore from the premises, and um, their. Um, we sort of had our own business as well. It was a home delivery business in did all the towns around, like Milmarin, um, Cecil Plains, Oakey and Toowoomba. And we did the home delivery service because that's how the business was in those days. Um, there was, we didn't have any supermarket uh, um, opposition. Uh, <coughs> that came later. And that sort of made us change and look at boutique range, which we did in a um, in a three seventy five mil stubby bottle, a brown stubby bottle, and we actually call that the Dad's Range, made by Cook Sufferings. That developed very quickly, um, because the the opposition to us there was the, the Bundaberg ginger beer. And um, yeah, then they were only making the ginger beer, and we, because of um, the berries vendors, they wanted other flavours. So we started to introduce, and that's how it happened. Um, we added the ginger beer, we added the double sauce, and then the, the lemon lime bitters, and then the um, the raspberry came after that because they just kept asking for more flavours and um, we were supplying uh, about 50 plus 50 plus pallets a month down to Brisbane and then they they on sent it up to the Townsville factory and from there it was distributed to Darwin and Cairns and he just went all over the place and then I had phone calls from a guy on holidays um, up at the, um, it's just north of Cairns, was um, Cooktown? No, it was just closer, 
close to Cairns. I can't, uh, goodness me. Anyway, he was in the holidays from Western Australia, and um, he wanted to know if he could call in uh, and talk to us about your ginger beer. I just had a sample of your ginger beer here, and he liked to distribute it in Western Australia, and um, so that did happen. I think our first shipment went by ship around to um, to Fremantle. Um, I think it took about three months to get there from when, when we produced it and then went by rail in the container down to the Brisbane Wharfs and then it went round to um, yeah Western Australia. So um, that was... <coughs> that was... Um, a lot of publicity came from that because um, we had people on holidays. Um, they, I think, they're driving driving into Kalgoorlie and um, they're tonguing for a nice drink. And another same story. They had uh, bought a ginger beer and um, oh, they read on it cooked soft drinks. They couldn't what believe a, it. What an incredible story! I, I've um, I've run out of time, but I, I guess that um, just on the on the F words and the finance. How did you handle that explosion of the business? Well, my wife was very good. She, we did. Um, we had a, a bookkeeper actually to help us, um, and an accountant. And um, yeah, my wife used to do all the uh, all the computer work because um, we had our own business as well. Um, the daily deliveries. Which, which our trucks, you know, travelled um, all down as far as um, Tenterfield, uh, and then out to um, Rama and those places. And um, so you were working hard, out. working hard. Not a lot of time for just fun, to, I wouldn't imagine. No, well, we didn't have holidays. <laughs> <laughs> well, just go, go, go. Yeah, a lot of hard work. Cookie, are you a um, a person who's interested in the royals? Um, who's your favourite royal? Not particularly, but my wife had a lot of time for Diana. What did she like about Diana? No, she just uh, just loved the way um, she presented herself, and and um, yeah, and possibly the, the hard knocks she was receiving towards the latter part of her that career. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't sort of um, get involved personally. But um, <laughs> no, not don't, too don't argue, don't argue with my wife. <laughs> Good motto. What about <laughs> dancing? You were working so hard. Is there a song that, if it came on, if you did on the rare occasion get to dance, a song that couldn't keep you off the dance floor? Oh, not particularly. Doesn't come to mind. Did you? Were you? Um, a dancing person? Oh, we did go to country dances um, in my young days, yeah. Uh, our family, our parents encouraged us to go to the, the local weekly dances. Mm-hmm. You didn't stand on too many feet? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Oh, Cookie, thank you so much for unfolding your story in such a gentle and um, unexpected way. That was just lovely to hear the story. I'd love to hear some more about the business sometime, so we might have to come back and do a, <laughs> a, a cookie special. But um, okay. no, wonderful. It's... Thank you so much for being my guest on Big Little Small Talk. Thank you.
That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me on Big Little Small Talk. I hope you can make the time to join me next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app.